0: This
1: is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Always great to talk to our next guest because we can talk about just about everything in sports with Mick Miller, the sports anchor over at Fox 31 and Channel 2 KWGN as well, who's the Colorado Sports Night, which you'll find on weeknights. Mick, thank you for joining us and a happy Friday. It's kind of a football Friday, right? I mean, the combine's kind of football. I guess.
2: I guess so. I guess if you consider, you know, young men throwing footballs and running around in their underwear, football, but it's the NFL, right? Like everybody gets excited about everything. It feels like, even if it's the off season, even if it's March 1st and technically the first day, you know, of people trying to get excited about March Madness, the NFL will always dominate the headlines. So yeah, interesting day at the NFL draft combine. Um, But yeah, a lot of good stuff coming out of Indianapolis. It seems like today.
3: Uh, For you, looking at the Broncos, is there a headline for this
2: week? Uh, Same old, same old.
0: If you listen to to Sean Payton's
2: press conference, if you listen to George Payton's press conference, I mean, if you would have played both those press conferences on Tuesday and the end of season press conference, he was essentially the entire, it was the same press conference. There was nothing new. Uh, I know that Sean's kind of polarizing with a lot of people. You either you love him or you hate him, but I think you do have to respect the fact that he doesn't allow a lot of stuff to get out of his organization. And so he's not going to give a lot of stuff for us to talk about big headline-wise. But, yeah, I think it's the same old, same old thing with the Denver Broncos until it officially becomes official that Russell Wilson will not be the quarterback for the Denver Broncos, Sean said, in less than two weeks. I think we just it's all speculation at this point. It's all trying to read into ah, they had a meeting with J.J. McCarthy. They had a meeting with Bo Nix. They had a meeting with all these quarterbacks. And so it's just kind of a lot of speculation until things become official. And you don't want to be kind of where the Broncos are right now. Like the Bears, the Patriots, and the Commanders are in a really good spot because you're excited that you're going to get one of the top three quarterbacks. Whereas for the Denver Broncos, you're kind of in limbo like – I'm sorry, but you're not going to get me excited about J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. I'm just not excited about any of those guys. And so it's a situation now where you're kind of just waiting to see what moves are going to be made. But, yeah, the NFL Draft Combine is kind of that weird thing that if you're not having a one, two, or three overall pick, you're kind of just waiting for something big to happen. And for the Broncos, nothing really big happened this week, unfortunately for
1: us. Yeah, it does seem to a certain extent is that there's not a lot to come out of it except for the fact that we were discussing earlier the idea that the Broncos may have painted themselves into a corner. I mean, one of the ideas coming into the draft is that you hope that maybe you have some deception. that means you might be able to trade your pick. You might be able to do something. But everybody, everybody around the NFL believes the Denver Broncos not only will but have to draft a quarterback at number 12. Is there any reason to believe otherwise?
2: I mean, just look at the division, look at the conference, look at the teams that went deep in the playoffs. If you don't have an elite quarterback or at least a really good quarterback, you're not going to compete in this league. And so it's a situation where I think it's going to be interesting because I think George Payton, he's very known for trading back because I do think that one of George Payton's skills is recruiting and really just looking at players in the second, third, and later rounds. Whereas Sean Payton, if you look at his history in New Orleans, I mean, he's got a happy trigger figure. He's going to want to move up and try to get the best player available. So it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic of the two Peyton's and what they end up doing. But, yeah, at 12, I mean, you have to get a quarterback. But at the same time, you don't want to just draft a quarterback just for the sake of drafting a quarterback. Like, you have to love one of these guys, and you have to be able to see them – Fitting into a Sean Payton offense that's going to make him successful. You don't want to have another scenario where you have a quarterback that Sean Payton doesn't like and trust, and then things go sideways. So, yeah, I think the Broncos are going to take the quarterback. The question is who it's going to be and the plan, because if you're looking at both next, JJ McCarthy or Michael Penix Jr., I think those three guys in particular, you're probably going to have to go to Jordan Love route where they're going to have to sit for a couple of years and learn. And so is that going to be Jared Spittum being the starting quarterback next season? That does not get me excited because I watched those two final games of the season that Jared Spittum started, and I like the guy, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's not going to be able to compete against some of the upper echelon quarterbacks that are in the division and also in the conference. And the
3: no spark for you, huh? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Uh, certainly, I share yeah. your views on McCarthy, generally, on Knicks, generally, on Pennix, uh, almost exactly. But if they take a quarterback, certainly in the first round, wherever they take him, even know they trade down, take a quarterback. Although, with McCarthy, if they like him most, you're not trading down. you got to take him twelve. Don't you have to start him, though? You, you you basically have to because you especially after Peyton, who, who probably can't help himself. I mean, I I know he tries to be buttoned down and not let too much out, but his ego always gets in the way. And the other day, uh, he was talking at the combine, and. He talked about that meme that was out there about uh, all the quarterbacks, at least eight of them, who have started games since Peyton Manning retired, and it's on a T-shirt and all the names are crossed off. And he said that the the, the next guy can't be one of those guys whose name is crossed off uh, a list like that or a meme like that in two or three years. But here's where he can't help himself. He says, and I want your reaction to this. I think we'll be really good at this. And he's talking about finding the right quarterback. And I think to some degree, we're glad that a lot of people aren't. The first part of that statement is a declaration that is not backed up by Sean Payton's history as a head coach. He's never developed a young quarterback. And the second statement is pure arrogance, saying, we can do something that we're happy that a lot of other people can't do i mean where's the evidence for that that's just pure ego isn't it
2: yeah absolutely i think i I, part of me really likes it and i like the cocky moxie of the head coach there's nothing behind it right there's nothing behind. and 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 that's why i say you have to have results so while i do like the sentiment of him being cocky At the end of the day, like you said, there isn't any evidence that has shown that he has developed a young rookie quarterback. That's why I'm a little concerned at where the Broncos are at right now. Because if you were saying, hey, the Broncos are going to bring in Kirk Cousins, that would excite me a lot because of the fact that I do think that Sean has an ability to take veteran-type quarterbacks and get the best out of them. Yep, I agree. Jameis Winston, even Taysom Hill, who he developed, not into being a quarterback, but more of a weapon type, right? However, like you said, I don't know if Sean has patience to deal with a rookie quarterback, patience to develop a rookie quarterback, and so I do think that we're in limbo here, and while I do like the cocky moxie of Sean Payton, it does concern me that he has never done what he's probably going to have to do this offseason, and take a rookie quarterback, whether let's look at McCarthy, for example. If you Draft J.J. McCarthy, national champion. But if you watched Michigan at all last year, the MVP was Blake Corum because all he did really was run the football. They had a great offensive line. They had a really good running back. If you look at Bo Nix, he does have a lot of experience playing college football. He played, what, some 60-some games. But he's 24 years old. I mean, he's only a couple years younger than the likes of, like, a Lamar Jackson. So he is who he I'm is right
3: junior. now. There's there's no chance yeah. that he's going to develop much beyond what he is right now at age
2: 24. I did the same thing with Michael Pennett Jr., right? He right. played a lot of college football due to the injuries that he suffered at Indiana, but again, like there's nothing really special about the guys that they're being projected to pay at quarterback, and if he couldn't make it work with Russell Wilson, I don't know if he's going to make it work with these young rookie quarterbacks that don't have special traits about them, because we're talking about the quarterback position because it's most important, right? But let's not ignore the fact that there are a lot of holes in this roster. So if you just have a mundane kind of bland quarterback, how is that quarterback going to uplift everybody around them? I don't see it happening. And so I do have a little bit of a concern about Sean Payton and a rookie quarterback because I just don't know how that looks and I don't know if it works.
1: We're talking with Mick Miller of Fox 31, and after the Nuggets knock off a very pesky heat team and in the second half without Jamal Murray, uh, Michael Malone had an opportunity to talk about the timeline about when Murray might come back from the sprained ankle he suffered, or at least the, the injury he suffered in the ankle, after landing on Aaron Gordon's uh, foot. Here's what he said.
4: Well, we'll see. Obviously, uh, you know, this is a back-to-back, so all, all tomorrow is going to be is meet at the plane, fly to L.A. and get ready for the, uh, the Lakers. He'll come in, all the other guys will come in and get some kind of treatment, some player development prior to the flight, and we'll see. I had a quick uh, discussion with Steve Short, who heads our group, and, um, you know, if there's any hesitancy, then, you know, he won't play in L.A. if the ankle's not right. But if he, if he feels like, no, I can go out there, and, and the question is never, can I go play? I think, oh, I can play. No, can you play effectively? Because if you're not playing effectively, you're putting everybody else at a disadvantage. So we'll see. And if you need, if he's not able to play against the Lakers because of the ankle injury, then we'll hopefully get him back for Phoenix a couple of days after that.
1: I'm thinking that Phoenix would be maybe even early because we've talked about the Nuggets not needing to worry about it. Michael Malone said just last week that a number one seed is not one of his top two priorities. It's about health. Would you even bother with Jamal Murray, even if he just feels amazing tomorrow night in, in LA?
2: No, because I think matchups matter in the NBA. If you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, they have his core guard play. Their strength is LeBron James in their front court alongside Anthony Davis. So if you do value these matchups and you do value start winning games, and they're on a five game winning streak right now. Jamal Murray doesn't necessarily have to play for the Denver Nuggets against the Lakers in order for them to be successful and go get a win because Reggie Jackson can do a good job against the Lakers. Now, if you do want to value some of these wins, Phoenix might be a game in which you might want to play them because their front court is their strength, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal. I don't think necessarily, I think if it's like 50-50 and you're like, yeah, he could go, but then I would take the precaution of being like, nah, just sit out this one. Like, this is a game, a game in the L.A. We have the best player in the world in Nicole Jokic. Michael Porter Jr. stepped up and had a 30-point double-double. Aaron Gordon has proven that he is an elite defender in this league, and so put him on LeBron James. So I'm not really rushing Jamal Murray in the lineup tomorrow because, guys, at the end of the day, like, Nicole Jokic is great. He's the best player in the world. He's the MVP. But the reason that the Nuggets won a championship last year was because of Jamal Murray. And if they want to go back-to-back, Jamal Murray has to be 100% healthy. Remember, he missed a couple of games going into the All-Star break, coming out of the All-Star break with Shinsland. So he's been dealing with these nagging injuries for the last couple of weeks. It's very important that when the postseason starts, Jamal Murray's 100%. And so I don't really care about a game on March 2nd in Los Angeles of the Lakers, it doesn't really mean all that much to me. What means the most to me is that when the playoffs are starting, we have the one-two punch of Jamal Murray and Colio is fully healthy. You know, if he sits out tomorrow, I have no
3: problem. Uh, I think that's very well said, and you touched on it, that to me, that's the most important factor to consider, that we're not just talking about the sprained ankle. We're talking about a hamstring injury, talking about shin splints, talking about injuries that can tend to linger uh, if you try to force yourself out there, and it's always Murray's inclination to try to play. And I think he's one of those guys, I think still, I think he's, he's more understanding of the realities of an entire season, especially given his playoff record. He knows that it's more important to be right for the playoffs, but he's a guy you have to protect from himself sometimes and just tell him, no, you're not playing. Maybe you're not even traveling. I, I, you know, I have no idea. I assume he's with the team. We haven't heard otherwise. Yeah, he's traveling. Okay, yeah. all right. But uh, I, I wouldn't play him I, unless it, it, you're absolutely sure. And that's not just his decision. That's the doctor's decision. That's a trainer's decision. And to an extent, the head coach's decision. I agree with you. They can find ways to beat the Lakers without Jamal Murray. Although he plays some of his best basketball against the Lakers, especially in Crypto. dot com arena we've seen that Uh, i want to ask you about the nuggets generally because it seems to me they're in an almost ideal position and these last two games have illustrated the point they were 0-3 against sacramento under some difficult circumstances and i understand sacramento didn't have the aaron fox the other night but just from a point of view of putting the kings in their a little bit it was probably fairly important that they win that game they had not played the heat before last night and they got the same kind of heat team that they got the finals last year a team that just won't go away and they test your competitive metal and the nuggets it was kind of an accordion game they build the big lead and the heat would make runs and the, the nuggets would build the lead back up and the heat would make uh some more runs and Yet I I thought at the end of the evening it was a very satisfying win for the Nuggets, especially since they played most of the game without Murray. He only played 14 minutes.
2: Yeah, I think experience is very valuable in the NBA. If you look at some of the most iconic franchises in the history of the league, the Detroit Pistons had to learn how to beat the Boston Celtics. Once they got that experience, they won back-to-back championships. Michael Jordan and the Bulls had to go through the Pistons. But once they learned how to win in the playoffs and become champions, there's this level of experience that you gain, and the Denver Nuggets have that. They you know, fell in the bubble to the Lakers and then had to deal with injuries, and then last year finally got the experience. And what I, what gives me hope about the Denver Nuggets against like any team in the Western Conference, and there are a couple teams, just two primarily in the East, that would concern me a little bit, but what makes me so confident about the Denver Nuggets team is, They return the entire starting bot. That doesn't happen a lot in this league. And if you look at the rotation, which is probably going to be eight or nine players, you return Christian Brown with an extra level of experience. Now, you have to replace Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. But what did you upgrade Jeff Green with? Peyton Watson, who's younger, who's a better defender, might be a little bit less of an offensive weapon, but is a great defensive weapon that you can deploy in the playoffs. And then Reggie Jackson, an experienced point guard, is going to replace Bruce Brown. Not as athletic, probably not as great of a defender, but experienced talk. And so that's what gives me about this team. And it also feels like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but doesn't it feel like the last couple games in particular, they're like tapping into a new level. Like an 82-game schedule is very long, and there are going to be lulls and they're going to be tired. But it feels like coming out of the all star break, they tap into a new level that they understand that they have to take the intensity level up another notch going into the playoffs. And so I think that they're in a really good spot right now, especially with the top teams in the Western Conference being young, inexperienced teams, that when you get into a seven game series, I don't see anybody in the West taking down this other team based on the experience that they have and based on the chemistry that they've developed the last couple of years. But the key is going to be what the key has been for this team the last four or five years. Are they healthy? If they're healthy, then I see a smooth ride at least to the NBA Finals, and we'll see what the matchup is over on the Eastern Conference
3: side. Yeah, and I do think we're talking about the most resourceful team in the league. They have more ways to beat you, and they find those ways uh, than anybody Uh, That doesn't mean they're necessarily the best team all the time, but they're the most resourceful. They know when it's time to play, and they they say you can't turn it on and off. But once you learn how to win, you find more ways to win. And Mike Shanahan always used to talk about that. He said the the champions are the teams that have the most ways to win.
1: He is – oh, pardon me. Go ahead, Mick. Sorry.
2: Like one thing that really stood out to me is how Jamal move enough to be for the rest of the NBA to see Jamal Murray go down with the angle frame and then Michael Porter Junior goes off with thirty and twelve or whatever he ended up with. Yeah. Like yeah. how do you like how do you want how do you want the Nuggets to attack you? They can run and gun, they can play in the half court, Aaron Gordon can get twenty and ten. Michael Porter Jr. can get 30 and 10. Nicole Jokic can do whatever he wants. Like, I just think that they can beat you in so many different ways, and that's definitely demoralizing if you're the rest of the NBA trying to figure out how to beat
1: them. And it might be a big statement tomorrow if they were to knock off the Lakers without Murray. That may be another one. Pilot on is there on national TV an awful lot over the next handful of games. He is Mick Miller from Fox 31. Make sure you follow him on social at Mick Miller. That's M-Y-C-K for all of the latest. Always good to talk to you, Mick. Really appreciate it. Have a wonderful, uh, pleasant, apparently, weekend on tap in Colorado. Thanks.
2: Appreciate it, guys. Always enjoy talking with you. Have a good weekend. All
1: right. Thanks so much, Mick Miller, joining us. And uh, the, the discussion that you two are having, I think, is a, is a big part of it. Tomorrow will be interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about it later in the program. But LeBron James is going to be the first player ever to get 40,000 points. He's nine points short he's going to get nine points. Uh, LeBron James, I believe, in his career has only scored single digits twice in his entire career. So uh, likely to go ahead and, and get that. And it'll be a big moment in L.A., you know, again, probably stop the game or do something like that. Who knows? It, it, it's going to be a another opportunity for the Nuggets because I think you hit it on the head at the beginning of the show. If the Nuggets lose this game tomorrow, especially without Jamal Murray, so what? Nobody's going to think any less. It's not going to matter. But if they win, mm, that's a statement. And in a game in which Jamal Murray was looking good, then goes out, then Michael Porter goes off for 30, while called Caldwell Pope chips in 18. And Nikola Jokic, had he needed to, could have turned up the offensive side of his game as well, even against a good defender in Bam, Bam Adebayo. You're right. They just have more abilities to beat you as long as they're healthy. That's the trick. And that, is job number one for Michael Malone going forward. A terrific, if you are a basketball fan, this is a good weekend. Tomorrow, tomorrow alone in college basketball, there are five matchups of top 25 teams on the men's side. Five, just tomorrow. And, of course, big weekends coming up for the Rams and the Buffaloes as they try to make the March Madness Tournament. We'll talk more about both of them next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Cuff and Sean Trotar. Presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Big weekend in college basketball. As I mentioned before, five matchups, the top 25 teams. Tomorrow alone, I mean, there's just a tremendous schedule going on there. And remember, by the way, if you're going to be watching basketball or you're going to be watching the ads, to start at four, then you're going to go ahead and Check out the uh, Nuggets game as well. If you're in plus all the college basketball, you can go down to number 38 tomorrow where we will be uh, hosting a watch party. Ryan Blackburn, swipe it, be down there for a live uh, post-game podcast, so make sure you check that out. But the let's go to the, the local squads first here. Now, the Buffaloes, we've talked about it before. Uh, they won their last one. They have three games remaining. They have Stanford on Sunday. That'll be a, a FS1 national game right. Sunday night. And then they go on the road for their final two, Oregon and Oregon State. Uh, Stanford and Oregon State, absolute must wins, period, must wins. Oregon is a maybe, but they have to get this one against Stanford, and they can't worry about the other ones until they do. It's just that simple.
3: You're right, and I, I think, regardless, as you say, of what happens, if CU wins Saturday, as they should, at home against a weaker team in Stanford, If they win at Oregon State a week from tomorrow, the game against Oregon really is a game for third place. Mm -hmm. And I think even if they lost to Oregon but won the other two games, they'd finish fourth. The significance of that is that if you're in the top four, you get a bye in the conference tournament. Right. And you only have to win three games, not four, to win the tournament. Okay, Uh, CU doesn't want to be in a position of having to win the tournament, but if they don't have to play that fourth game, then one win might get them in. Two wins I think almost certainly would get them in. Again, the bracketology uh, report came out today from Joe Lenardi on ESPN.com, and he has only two Pac-12 teams making it. Arizona as a one seed, obviously, but Washington State is a five seed. I suspect there will be three Pac-12 teams uh, in the tournament. Already, we're seeing, apart from the Big 12, we're seeing the SEC now down to just seven teams projected to make it. The Big Ten six, the Mountain West six that stayed the same for weeks. Big East five, ACC up to five now. ACC was at two at one time. Now it's up to five. Pac-12 two, American two, West Coast Conference two, Atlantic 10 two eight of the top 16 seeds are from the Big 12 and the SEC. The Big 12 has a one seed, a two seed, and two three seeds. The SEC has a two seed, a three seed, and two fours. So if you're asking, why the heck does San Diego State, as a four seed, have to travel outside the West? Well, that's the reason. Because out of those 16, they're number 16.
1: The Colorado State Rams, with 20 wins, they've been stuck on 20 wins for a little bit. Their last loss uh, hurt them quite a bit. They take on the Wyoming Cowboys. They will be at home tomorrow afternoon. That's a 2 p.m. tip. The ESPN Analytics has the expected win percentage for the Rams at 96.4%, which may indicate that getting that win might not boost you a lot. Here's
3: the thing. With 40 seconds to go in Laramie many weeks ago, they had a hell of a lot better chance to win than 96.4%. <laughs> so yep. that's they, the they other did. way to look at they it. did. It was about 99.6%, if not higher,
1: nine point with
3: the nine-point lead and 40 seconds to go in Laramie. They lost that game in overtime. It's that game, more than the three close games they've lost recently, yeah, by that has points. knocked them down to a nine-seed, in this particular bracketology projection that we talk about twice a week on this program. Uh, right now, the projected matchup would be nine-seeded CSU in Indianapolis in the Midwest region against eighth-seeded Oklahoma. We'll say, well, okay, they can beat Oklahoma, and they can. I, I, Oklahoma's not big. Um, Oklahoma is... Probably in the Big Twelve, as things stand. At best, the seventh best team in the Big Twelve. I mean, there's four four ranked teams teams at top it in in the Mountain West, so there isn't a big discrepancy there. Here's CSU is a very weak nine seed because even if they won that game. They get Purdue. Oh, uh, it, according yuck. to these projections, which have Purdue as well, the number
1: one overall seed, that would be the tournament. end of that. I mean, you have to find a way to and stay away from that. No, they have no chance that. against Purdue no. against
3: ED. They have no one to play Edie.
1: No, I mean that would be a disaster. So they have to win the remaining two games for sure. Uh, they should. They're expected to. The ninety-six and percent of winning the Air tournament, Force, but they're they, going to have to win some of the. They're going to
3: have to go play in Las Vegas, right? Right. And that by saying they have to go play they have to win two games in the tournament and they're capable of doing that they don't have to necessarily win the tournament but to get a more favorable seed and a nine seed is yeah. not favorable an eight seed is not favorable you're gonna have to run seven's off, okay probably four six, straight wins now they were even as high as five at one point and now they've fallen to nine it, it i don't know if you can regain a five seed uh unless you win the tournament, unless you basically win out prior to the NCAA tournament, which is not likely to happen. But, you know, I I look at their team. They need more out-of-car They just do. Uh, He's got to be better. I I think Scott's at or close to the top of his game. Uh, Clippard plays well. Stevens is terrific. Uh, Strong uh, and Lake are virtually interchangeable. And I think between the two of them, as second guards go, you're you're okay. Uh, I wish Bembo were less foul-prone because uh, I think he's bulky. Right. And he, he gives them certain things that, that match up well against other Mountain West teams. But it's not a team with a great margin for error. I think they have a great player in Stevens who can rise the occasion in the big moments. But I'm not sure that consistently he has a partner. I think Clifford is their second-best player, but recently maybe maybe it is Scott who has really started to come on. Clifford, because he plays so much and he plays so hard, he's in foul trouble all the time. And it, 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 he fouled out of the most recent game, and it hurt him. It hurt him. He might have been the guy who perhaps would have defended uh, the shooter a little more closely on that mid-court shot that beat him the other night. The but he wasn't in the game.
1: Challenge when you're talking about the conference standings too, because when you're when you're looking at that at this point right now, you know, Utah State and Boise State are tied at top at eleven and four, San Diego State at eleven and five. But you have five teams with ten conference wins, and then you have New Mexico at six and the Rams at, at eight and eight at seven. But given the way the Mountain West has its tournament work, the top five seeds do get a bye. You're gonna to have to play in the early games if you're gonna be six or lower. And at least at the moment, barring e- even with the wins, they're gonna need a couple teams ahead of them yeah, to lose. They'll need help now.
3: They're to get up to fifth. They
1: will need help. As a matter of fact, the problem is, quite frankly, they'll they'll need a lot of help yeah. because they're two and a half behind yeah, the rebels and right. Nevada, and that's eight four losses and five. Is a killer seven
3: losses. You, you could entertain the possibility with eight. I'm not sure. you So can get now, up to
1: realistically, five. let's just say they're the seventh seed. You're going to have to play the ten seed, and then you'll have to play a rested two seed, right? In the first yeah, round, yeah, if you get up to six, you know good. you have to play the eleven, and then you play the three that's rested. That's yeah. going to be tough to to win yeah, a, a, a pair of games. They they have just unfortunately a year in which they were ranked as high as thirteenth in the country. The wheels kind of came off. You know what though? I think and now it's a challenge. I, I think now, Utah State. They're going to make the big dance, which and, and, is something the well, CU can't say at this right, point they will. But. Right,
3: Utah State, I think they could handle. Boise State, I think they could handle. San Diego State, very tough. Nevada, extremely tough, harder than San Diego State, at least for CSU. And, and they in would Vegas. be tough. So almost anybody in there would be tough. The teams you'd want to play, New Mexico, they probably won't play. Uh, Boise State, Maybe. You could get Boise State. And if you got Boise State, Boise State's got eight losses overall, and Colorado State has nine losses overall. Unfortunately, eight of those nine have come in conference play, leaving them at eight and eight and in seventh place. And yes, a game and a half behind sixth place New Mexico, and two and a half games behind fifth place UNLV, and of course, Nevada.
1: They will have to find a way to uh, get this done over those last two. They have to win that. And as Sandy said, I think they have to win a couple. So they probably have to start a four-game winning streak. They're capable of it, but it's got to start now. But when you look at tomorrow's, just tomorrow's schedule, Sandy, starts 10 in the morning, number 24, Florida, yeah, against number 18, South Carolina. At Great 11 a.m., only an hour later, number 7, Kansas, heads to Baylor to take on the number 15 team in the country there. Yeah. Uh, you go to 12.30 in the afternoon over on Fox. Marquette, number five, is at number 12, Creighton. And if that wasn't enough for you, you can get into the evening, and then you have Tennessee and Alabama at six. That'll That's be four a good at game. 14. Be a good and then the late game. night one, Gonzaga and St. Mary's both ranked. Yeah. Gonzaga seventeen and they're both Saint tournament Mary's. teams, uh, according to the projections.
3: St. Mary's out of the West Coast Conference as a six seed. Gonzaga, obviously, out of the same conference as an 11 seed. But uh, last four buys, according to Lenardi, Florida Atlantic, Nevada, Wake Forest, Virginia, last four in, New Mexico, Gonzaga, Seton Hall, Providence, first four out, Villanova, Utah. Yes, Utah still ahead of CU, but barely. Uh, CU would be third among the first four out, followed by St. John's. Next four out, Texas A&M, Iowa, Ole Miss, Kansas State. Nothing that CU can do about uh, any of yeah. those. Virginia, by teams. the way,
1: goes to Durham to play Duke in Cameron Indoor tomorrow. Go Duke. So that's the 10th team in the country. You know, knocking off Virginia would help. Go but Duke. It, it feels as if these, look, it, it's it's really, quite frankly, become very simple for the Buffs and the Rams keep winning.
3: Really, well, really yeah, no margin and, for error. And root anymore. against
1: Utah, Villanova, Providence, Seton Hall,
3: and Gonzaga. And probably New Mexico, too.
1: Well, the Rams will get it going tomorrow. That's a 2 p.m. tip against Wyoming up in, in Moby, and then the Buffs will get it done in Boulder Sunday night on FS1 against Stanford. Reminding you, of course, that the Colorado home market's been crazy for years, but I do know how to navigate it. It's my friends David Mark at Q Real Estate Group's Colorado Luxury Home Team. Yeah, we hear, you hear them on the on the ads and you hear me talk about Colorado's luxury home team and you're thinking, well, I, I maybe I'm not in the market for a luxury home. Well, that's okay. I'm not either. But nevertheless, it doesn't mean you have to be talking that kind of home. It's about the service you'll get, whether you have a luxury home or you don't. David Market, Cube state Estate Group's Colorado Luxury Home Team will treat you the same way and whether you're buying or selling as well. You need experts that know Colorado's market and know how to ride all its highs and lows. And that means you need a couple of really important things. Experience and stability. Key real estate groups as steady as it gets. They're a privately held company over 25 years in the same office. And inventory is still low around the Denver metro area. Homes that are priced right still sell fast. So let David Mark give you a free valuation. It's going to be a warm one this weekend, but. People will sometimes tell you in these winter months, avoid putting your home up for sale. But guess what? The buyers in the winter months want to move faster. They're more serious. So let David Mark represent you to make sure you're getting everything you deserve. Call David Mark at the Key Real Estate Group at 720-900-LIST. That's 720-900-LIST. Or visit them today at KeyRealEstateGroup.com. Big weekend for the Avs and the Nuggets. We've talked about the Nuggets just recently a bit. What does it mean against the Lakers? Well, you'll hear a little bit from uh, Michael Malone on perhaps their secret weapon if they don't have Jamal Murray and lost in the shuffle, amazingly, of a 5-0 shutout win, a major milestone from one of the avalanche of Jared Bednar talk about Nathan McKinnon. They will take on the Predators tomorrow. We'll talk more about those next on Mile High Sports.
0: This is Sandy Clough and Sean
1: Tar on Mile High Sports. That guy became a movie star somehow. That happened. That's a real thing that happened. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Sandy and Sean. Danny Bailey in the booth. Spinning the, uh, what, what used to call ones and twos, but they're all just digital now. But uh, that, you know, maybe makes it even harder. So appreciate everything Danny's doing. The weekend is upon us. Congratulations. You made it. Good for you. Uh, Be nice on the Rose Day. It's Friday. It's going to be nice all weekend. You know, relax. Be be good to everybody out there. There's a lot of fun going on. We just went over the terrific college basketball that's going to happen all weekend long, not only just locally here with the Buffs and the Rams, as well as the uh, Buffs women's program up in Boulder, still ranked in the top 25. But uh, games left and right. The big ones, of course, are the two title contenders in town and We'll start with the Colorado Avalanche, who tomorrow afternoon will take on the Nashville Predators after their 5-0 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, I get it. The Blackhawks are not good, and I might be putting that gently. They're very bad. They're one of the worst teams in the league. I I do understand all of that. But 5-0 is 5-0. And more importantly, the Avs, after a couple of games in which they... Blue leads did not look good doing it in losing to Detroit and then to Toronto have looked really good, blowing the doors off the stars five one at home and then blanking the Blackhawks in their barn five zero. Just do the quick math. That's 10 to one aggregate scoring over the last couple and of games. As
3: mentioned earlier, 22 games out of the 37 won by the avalanche have come by three or more goals this year. So when they've been good, They've looked like Stanley Cup contenders.
1: And last night, Nathan McKinnon had to have a goal and an assist, as he often does, having a terrific season. But they're starting to look a little bit like there's a little more behind the team than just Nathan McKinnon. (laughs) Nevertheless, McKinnon, with his points last night, reached the 100-point marker already in the season. His coach, Jared Bednar, had a chance to comment on that after the game.
0: Again, impressive. I think you hit that mark at this point in the season. It's really incredible. We've seen players around the league do it in the past. I think Kucherov hit it the other night. Um, but, you know, he he was such a good player for us for so long and then didn't break 100. You know, I look back on those years and it kind of, you know, it just shows how good he is this year. You know, you hit 100 at this point. Last year he had 111 or something. I mean, he's already at 100. Uh, it's impressive because for years we're like, man, Nate's an incredible player and a top-point producer and really consistent at what he does, and somehow he's finding a way to produce even more now. So um, same amount of minutes he's been playing, uh, playing all situations, and then yet the numbers keep getting better and better. So uh, incredible feat to be able to contribute on a daily basis and to be able to hit 100 at this point in the season is impressive.
1: And
3: I want to accent that point. Because last year, he had someone who was almost as productive playing alongside him in Rantman. Rantman has been good, but hardly great this year. He's played below his standard, as has McCarr. So this this idea that, well, McCarr and Rantman, as they have been in the past, are essentially co-equal partners. Not true. Not this Not year. Not true. Not this year. Uh, Rantman's having a nice year. Rantan will be nowhere near 100 points when the season ends. McCarr won't have anywhere close to 20 goals when the season ends. Uh, they've been okay at best. Okay.
1: It has. It really has been a season in which I think when you point that out, and, and Jared Bednar brought up correctly, by the way, the minutes have been about the same. M- McKinnon's minutes have gone up from last year, but only about 25 seconds from last year. I mean, that's it. It is, it is essentially... Well, the, same. the advantage of winning so many games in blowout fashion is you can
3: keep his minutes down well below 20, as was the case last night. And Rantman, uh always plays more than 20 minutes. And even last night, Leckonen played more than McKinnon did. But Rantanen that's isn't even going to get, league.
1: not only is he not going to get the 105 he got last year, he's probably not going to get the 92 he had two years ago. Well, that's from. what I'm saying. He'll get nowhere near 100 points. So nowhere Rantanen is 100. having a, look, It's okay. It's it's, not, it's by, nice, his standards, right, by his it's standards, I'm saying okay. it's It's nice when you're, you know, you're a, you're a, sort already got thirty-one goals on the year, and you're thinking eh, he's, so he's he's so been third better. or
3: fourth best winger in the league instead of the best winger hands now, right? Which he was last year.
1: Cale McCarr uh, in points, obviously. When you're talking about the last year, he didn't play in as many games, but when he played in seventy-seven games in the Cup title year, he had eighty-six points. Uh, he, he's not getting there either. So, I'm not even close. No, no, more than likely not. And keep in mind, McCarr that year was a plus forty-eight. This year he's a plus six, the lowest of his career. So McKinnon in many ways has been dragging this team across the finish line multiple times, not even in individual games, but throughout the entire season because he hasn't had that lull. There hasn't been one of those. You talk about Connor McDavid, the first goal in uh, double-digit games. McKinnon hasn't had that. No. He he just hasn't had that. He's scored in every home game this year. Every single Every one. one of them, he has been ridiculously consistent. And it's almost been comical. The, the three losses that they'd suffered on, the, on that road trip that was a, a bit of a mess for them. New Jersey, Carolina, Florida. He was blanked for those three games. Besides those three games, the last time McKinnon didn't score was December 29th. So in calendar year 2024, you have that he had a three stretch
3: game, of three games on the road. the only three games he, he hasn't
1: scored. Show up in the score sheet. That's it. That's it. The only, th- the, you know, you're talking about only a handful of games all year in which you never go or assist. You go back to the 18th of, uh, of, pardon me, of November against Dallas. That was one. And that was the date we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. when Johansson
3: and Colton had points in the same game.
1: Vegas in the 7-0 Vegas loss early going, that was one of them. So, in the early going there, and then Buffalo and Pittsburgh. So, in, in the early well, going, shot. he had a couple. Right. But when you're talking about since that Vegas loss, that 7-0 Vegas loss, still arguably maybe their worst loss of the year, back on November 4th, Nathan McKinnon has only played in five hockey games in which he hasn't registered a point.
3: And that's why the that's Avalanche
1: ridiculous. have the
3: eighth best point percentage in the NHL right now winning almost 65% of the available points. That's the reason. And that's why the Avalanche Gold differential is behind only two teams in the West. Vancouver at plus 47 and Winnipeg at plus 38. The Avs at plus 37, barely behind Winnipeg. And if you go to the East, you have... Florida at plus 53, Boston at plus 38. So how many teams did I count there? Four? Mm -hmm. They're fifth in goal differential. And you know what the weird thing is about that this year? In every division, there is a negative goal differential. Minus 29 in the Central. Minus 34 in the Pacific. Minus 22 in the Metro. The Atlantic is plus 85. If you're looking for the best three teams in hockey, you could credibly assert that Florida, Boston, and Toronto are 1, 2, and 3. Now, you get an argument on that, but, you know, you might look at the Rangers. You might look at Vancouver. You might look at Winnipeg. But <laughs> I, I even Detroit is only four points behind Toronto third place that that division is so much stronger than the other three i've never seen a league with four divisions in which three weren't very good and one was great
1: it's a little top dominating for the sure. league. The current heart trophy odds in vegas nathan mckinnon is the number two just barely behind austin matthews is plus 195 mckinnon plus 250 you know eight. what and I think McKinnon's, I bet
3: Matthews will win it, and it's a joke. Because back. he's gonna get the most it's a goals. Because everybody looks
1: at goals. Not points, goals. And that would be Matthews second. And of course, if this was the NBA, I guess what? McKinnon's Joel embiid and just needs I, to complain I'm not about sure,
3: it. I'm not sure Matthews is is their best player. He's the best goal scorer. He might be the best goal scorer in the league, but He's got guys in his line who are at least as good, in my opinion. But the person who he I look at is ridiculous,
1: goals. you have four with realistic chances. Matthews plus 195, McKinnon plus 215, Kucherov plus 280, McDavid plus 380. The yeah. next two are that are even in it are plus 5,000. Yeah, have, David no, Pasternak. It's, it's and not, one guy who doesn't deserve to be that low. It's not a crowded field. Quinn Hughes, who I would make the argument yeah, actually yeah, should be in the five guys in that discussion. Because he's a defenseman doing that with the Vancouver team. He's the best. He's been the best defenseman in the
3: league this year. Hands down, in my opinion.
1: But the Avs will have a chance to get things going again. They have now in the standings, pulled themselves, even with Winnipeg, though that doesn't mean anything in points that because Winnipeg <laughs> is still three games ahead. Out <laughs> of a are. 681
3: point percentage versus 648. Yeah. And uh, listen, but Dallas they're only is two behind Dallas.
1: They're only two points behind they're, they're, Dallas, they're, and, and the yeah, Avs have a game in they hand. They have a game in hand. So right. they could find a spot to take And they're to 3-0 and Dallas. head-to-head against Dallas. Exactly. So a big opportunity to find out if they could maybe catch Dallas, get ahead of Dallas, and then you'll have to deal with Winnipeg as they finally catch up in games. But a big opportunity for the ass. Before we leave real quick, of course, the Nuggets will take on the Lakers tomorrow. I want to remind you a little bit about the watch party that they will be uh, having. That Milo Sports is going to hold down at number 38 in Rhino. Come check that out. But again, if Jamal Murray doesn't play, let's sneak in a little bit about the man who scored 30 last night. Here was Jared Bednar speaking about Michael Porter Jr. Michael Malone. Pardon me, Michael Malone speaking about (laughs) him. Malone speaking about Porter Jr. Bednar could probably
4: speak about him. Very reminiscent of our finals games, you know. I mean, keeping them right below 100 points. Um, but that unit found enough stops, and we were able to get enough baskets. And I thought Michael on that stretch was, you know, I took him out with two minutes to go because I knew I wanted to get him back in to start the third, uh, the fourth rather, when I took Nicola out. And uh, but I felt Michael's baskets and his offense were kind of carrying the day to give us that separation. And. Um, it was, uh, it was great to see Michael step up, with, you know, like he did in Portland. Jamal didn't play that game. Michael was outstanding. Jamal didn't play second half. Michael was outstanding. So, you know, give Michael, uh, Aaron, Nikola, Pope, all those guys just a, a ton of credit for playing the games that they played.
3: And it was when he took him out with two minutes to go, uh, Malone mic'd up, said, good job carrying us. As Porter exited the game quickly to return at the start of the
1: fourth they quarter. But that was
3: a- the conversation. Uh, one way, um, as Porter came out, Malone said, good job carrying us.
1: They may need him again to do it tomorrow because we don't expect Jamal Murray to play, although he hasn't been ruled out. He is traveling with the team. But if Porter Jr. may need to step up and get those points against the Lakers, we will find out. It's been a terrific uh, day talking with all of you. Thanks to Mick Miller from Fox 31 for joining us. It's going to be a tremendous weekend of sports, and we're looking forward to Monday to be able to break it all down with you. So have a safe and happy weekend. We want you back. Next week, Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes everything work. Thanks for all of you who interacted with the program, whether it's FMHD, MileI or the MileI Sports app. Make it easy. Grab everything we do all in your pocket. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We will step away. Have a terrific weekend. We'll see you Monday right here on MileI Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.
4: I saw the
3: fire
0: in your eyes.